listening to the Film Monsters Podcast with me and Ray. <laughs> Welcome to the Film Monsters Podcast, the only podcast that we have to film on Earth because there was no room left in hell. I am your co-host, the very ghoulish and devilish Ray. And I am your co co-host Nate the undead demon king I suppose <laughs> and yeah, we're getting we're so terrible at these. We're, we're horrible at intros but you know what we aren't horrible about is giving the audience what they want which is more horror content and Ray I will say recording last week's episode I had so much fun talking about horror movies with you last week it was really hard because it was slashers and it was hard for me to put together a list but i went back through listened to the episode and i think we gave people some really great recommendations of movies to watch yeah i'm stoked um well you gave me recommendations of movies to watch um and it's funny because every time we do these episodes i'm always like oh man like there's that movie we talked about the other day i need to put it on my watch list or you know whatever the case may be speaking of wild and crazy horror movies and things people need to watch I found this article, and I thought we could go through it really quick, but I thought it would be fun. So Collider yesterday released an article of 10 of the craziest horror movies ever made. So I thought we could go through this list of 10 and tell the audience members, do we think that this these should be classified as 10 of the craziest horror movies ever made? How do you feel about that, sir? I feel good, but I feel like we need to give a little disclaimer before we start, though. I, I would just like to say, be careful how you listen to these episodes, because whatever you listen to, you might conjure up in your home, just like Hocus Pocus is haunting Texas right now. <laughs> yes, that's... That is wonderful. I love that so much. <laughs> Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> so, are you ready for me to get into this list? We can talk about whether or not we think these movies are crazy enough to be considered the craziest ever made. Let's do it. All right, so coming in at number 10 is a film that you may have seen. I'm not 100% sure. I may have watched it once or twice, but it's Sam Raimi's Army of Darkness. Are you serious? Yes, that would be number 10 That on the craziest horror films ever made is Sam Raimi's Army of Darkness. I mean, I guess I would say crazy because it's just a wacky movie. I don't think it's crazy because it's outrageous or like over the top. I think it's just so wacky. Yeah, I completely agree. I think what makes the movie so unique, Sam Raimi obviously toned it down. I'm pretty sure the film got an R rating, but it probably could have been PG-13 because of how tame it is. But I think like the whole thing of it being set in the medieval times and like just kind of how goofy it is with the pa the past and the present colliding, I'm, I'm sure you could say that's crazy or wild or whatever but i don't think it's wilder than evil dead 2 i think that's probably the wildest of the bunch yeah um especially the scene in the cabin with the laughing lamp my, my favorite scene uh in probably all of horror movie history i love it so much so the next one ray you're gonna have to you're gonna have to chime in because i still haven't watched it but on number two it's barbarian Interesting. Um, yeah. I, I feel like the reason why Barbarian is so quote-unquote crazy is because of the lack of knowledge that people had. I feel like that's what made it crazier because once I thought about Barbarian, there wasn't anything in that movie that I hadn't seen before or that hasn't been done before. I think it's just like the lack of knowledge, which is what I was talking about on that one episode. It's the experience that you get out of watching a movie like that is like a thousand times heightened by the fact that you don't know anything. I feel like that's what makes makes that movie so special, especially in 2022, where it's so hard to keep things secret and under wraps that like it, it's 
so that's what makes it so crazy is because people were actually like experiencing things in real time rather than oh i know that this thing is going to happen like i said when i watched the trailer and i saw the justin long name i was like justin long is in it i don't think i ever saw him on the trailer so like yeah i think it's just the the whole aspect of not knowing so then when you finally like figure out what's happening it is crazy because you had no clue that was happening because no one ever told you not even the trailer which again you know i can't stress this enough please like hollywood give us more like mystery when it comes to these films yeah, and I think that's why uh, I watched Smile last week, and I know we talked about the marketing campaign for that, but aside from that, I think I saw like a brief 30-second trailer, and that movie really took me by surprise, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that I didn't see any promos for it, so it made it crazier because I didn't know anything about it. So I think keeping the audience on the edge of their seat really is, uh, is what helps make these movies crazier so especially for this year that's probably the one i've heard talked about the most is barbarian so i get it next up is a movie i have never seen but you may have watched it and that's the 1997 peter jackson film brain dead i haven't actually no yeah i haven't either but this uh the description on here says that it's uh one of the goriest movies ever made next to the original evil dead which makes me want to push this to the top of my list uh speaking of zombie out zombie films <laughs> Ever heard that just Peter Jackson overall was like the horror. He had so much influence in the horror community on his like pre Lord of the Rings. And in fact, when Weta Workshops, which is like the company that he used on all of his previous movies to do all these like outrageous FX, he's the one that asked for Weta to work on Lord of the Rings, which now Weta is like this huge company, but he used to really work with the local scene in New Zealand to make these like horror movies and like i heard he has some really wacky horror stuff in his back catalog so have i and i've always wanted to go back and revisit him i'm gonna have to push him on up on the list so ray i think i've got the first one that we're both going to agree deserves to be on this list i 100 percent think that this is this should be on this list and that's the 1977 japanese horror film house <laughs> one one thousand percent is that one of the craziest movies i've ever the watched only thing life. i disagree with is why isn't it number one? Oh, exactly I, I i'm curious as to what they'll have at number one but i because i haven't even looked at this article all the way through yet but i will say this that movie like even just like the character names being their personality traits like there's so much wacky insanity that like you can tell that that movie was a passion project and i think that a lot of the films that people call wild and crazy are the movies that that kind of get away from the standards of what filmmaking is and just kind of do their own thing. And House is just fun. That's a movie, I don't know about you, but whenever I watch that, I have a smile on my face the whole time. Uh, it's such a wacky movie. I do I do love it. Next on the list is a movie, I, I think I've seen like a promotional still for it, but I don't know if I've ever watched it, but it's a 2019 film from some guy named Bob Eggers called The Lighthouse. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, this deserves to be on the list. Obviously, you know I'm biased about it. So if you want to put your two cents into it, I think that this could this can definitely be on the wildest and craziest movie list. I don't think anyone, even knowing what Robert Eggers did with The Witch, I don't think anyone expected this movie to be tonally the way it was presented at all. 
This movie was so crazy, it made The Witch and The Northman look like conventional movies. A hundred percent, because I think the thing is, the with The Witch, it's we both love The Witch. It's amazing. I literally have it tattooed on my body. The Witch is an incredible movie. I think that what makes it so incredible is that it really is just a straightforward, folk horror tale that obviously has art house filmmaking elements into it that make it great. But The Lighthouse, the thing that got me is it's so terrifying, but it's also so funny. And I don't think anyone expects it to be as funny as it was yeah there was a ton of humor that i just did not foresee coming and just willem dafoe farting over and over again just like like and i loved how like at first it was played for a comical laugh but then like about the halfway point in the movie you could tell that it was really driving robert pattinson insane <laughs> yeah but i love that movie it's one of those movies that i just feel like you know is so reminiscent of like classic cinema in a way that I haven't felt that in a modern film in a very long time. And even the cinema cinematography, uh, it really reminded me a lot of Ingmar Bergman, just the way that the close-ups were shot. And I, like, I don't know, I, it's one of the most unique films ever. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. You know, I praise it all the time, but yeah, the, I think this deserves to be on the list. Yeah, for sure. All right. We're getting spicy here, sir. Guess what's up next on the list? That would be 2021's James Wan's Malignant. <laughs> I also 100% agree with this being on this list. I Another film similar to what you said about Barbarian where nobody had any idea what was going to happen in that movie. And it delivers in every way. We talked about it in length on last week's episode, but this is a film that really delivers in the crazy, suspenseful, twisted way that only James Wan could conjure up. Yeah, I, I have to rewatch it. I've only seen it the one time, but yeah, it is wacky, especially when you get the big reveal. And especially when you get, we talked about it on the last episode, that cop shootout. Oh, it's so good. I, I love this movie so much. I feel like, you know, after I talked about it with you last week, I'm like, I need to rewatch Malignant. I'm going to try to fit it in this week. Yeah, same. So next on the list is actually a film I have never seen. You may have watched it, and that is Darren Aronofsky's Mother. Yeah, that movie's wacky as all get out. Yeah, I've never seen it before. I heard that it takes a pretty crazy turn towards the third act and that there's some really like brutal and sort of uncomfortable imagery that shows up in the film but I've never I've never actually seen it but I know I've been pressured by a lot of people to watch it it's really good but yeah it's it's also super metaphorical like if you look at it through like just a straightforward movie you know it doesn't work in that regard at all it's kind of a very metaphorical wacky type movie but not wacky in like a zany funny way it's just it's kind of a low over the place and it really messes with you and it really kind of makes you uncomfortable quite often especially there towards the third act yeah i've heard that there's a lot of uh like biblical allegory in the film and that you know there's yeah. there's a lot that you can play into so that makes sense i mean that's cool i have not seen that movie though so ray is ray is giving his uh, seal of approval to that is a wild film that's right next up on the list uh you might have heard of this movie it came out in 2018 uh, stars uh, somebody named Nicolas Cage, and it's called Mandy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, 
Ray and I are big fans of this movie, uh, very big fans of this movie, and I would say, yes, it deserves to be on this list. And I think why it deserves to be on this list is because if you watch no promotional material for this movie, you only knew the name and you saw the poster. The first half of this is just like a really quiet, beautiful uh, love story. And then it transforms into a brutal Nicolas Cage kill fest, which I think if you went into this movie completely blind, it would probably affect you the same way as you know, Malignant or any of these other movies that we're talking about. I actually made the mistake of recommending this movie to someone thinking that they were like into weird stuff, but yeah, they weren't quite ready for that level of weird. One of my favorite moments, and I know this isn't related to the craziness of the film, but I just want to say it really quick, Ray, because I know you'll appreciate this. Every time I watch the movie, being someone who, you know, has gone to film school, done production, one of my favorite moments is that when Nicolas Cage has the bathroom freakout scene, you see the cinematographer come in on him, and he's trying to, like, push the camera closer, and as soon as he starts screaming, the cinematographer starts backing up, and in my head, I'm thinking, they told Nicolas Cage to do whatever the hell he wanted, and they had no idea what he was going to do and they were afraid something was going to get thrown at him because <laughs> by the end of that scene the cameraman is like literally backed up into the corner of the room oh nick cage how we love you in this podcast i love nick cage so much so the next one on the list uh my heart is very happy uh this is probably in my top three films ever made and that is the film possession from 1981 this 100% deserves to be on this list it is truly one of the most psychologically disturbing brutal films i've ever seen it also has some comedic levity in it which is pretty surprising uh isabella johnny the lead actress in the film gives probably my favorite performance in all of the history of cinema ray i need to get this for you so that you can watch it soon because i want to do an entire episode of the podcast talking to you about this movie yeah you you're you're messing up because yeah I, i need to watch it i wanted to watch it before you but like before we talked about it but it's just so hard to find so last on the list is actually a film that i watched three weeks ago maybe and it's the 2009 park chan wook vampire film thirst oh yeah you talked about this one one of my favorite vampire movies i've ever watched and i think one of the reasons why it's probably on this list is because i don't know if i gave the plot summation to you ray but it's literally about a, a priest who goes to do this like experiment where he's being tested on for this virus and he ends up dying and they give him a blood transfusion and he becomes a vampire. Well, at the same time, he's still trying to do his priestly duties and he gets called on to check on one of his childhood friends who he's married and he starts to fall in love with his childhood friend's wife and it's really kind of like a romantic comedy blended into a brutal, very violent vampire film. And I mean, you've seen enough korean cinema to know the directions that they take and it's brilliant like honestly one of my favorite vampire movies so i would say for these 10 films i don't know if they meant that to be the order but i will say that's a pretty decent collection of movies i'm pretty impressed with the ones other than i feel like you know this guy probably has only seen army of darkness and has never watched evil dead 2 i feel like that was a a mistake Oh, well, I wonder if they added Evil Dead, because it says crazy, not, I feel like it's talking about crazy, but crazy doesn't necessarily mean, like, I don't know, I feel like for that one, he probably meant it as, like, we had this level of expectations from going from Evil Dead to Evil Dead 2, and then Army of Darkness is just a total, like, tonal shift, so I wonder, I wonder if that's how he meant it, like, it was crazy, because we were expecting, like, like, if tomorrow, for example, 
we got a very serious art house version of Friday the 13th, we would all be like, wait, what? <laughs> yes, 100%. I, I, you know, it's funny that you said it that way, Ray. I feel like that honestly, like, makes a lot more sense thinking about it in that perspective. But speaking of Army of Darkness, which... You know, whether or not you want to classify what those are in the film as zombies or not. Today we're going to talk about zombies. And uh, I think Ray is probably very excited about this. Uh, I was going through my list and putting together some zombie films. And I was like, I really... There's a lot of really great zombie films throughout the history of filmmaking in general. And I'm really looking forward to when you talk about Night of the Living... I mean, other zombie movies that you really love. Is there other zombie movies? I, there are actually others. Is your is your list just Night of the Living Dead? I mean, Dawn of the Dead might get mentioned. Oh wow! Just just it's gonna be an episode all about Romero. We're just gonna talk about Romero the entire episode. <laughs> Basically, every time you're like, yeah, and I saw this movie, and it's it's fantastic, and it was so well, I'll, I'll be like, I mean, it's no Night of the Living Dead. But, exactly. You know, well, you can't be perfect always. Well, would you like to kick it off this week, sir? I kicked it off last week. Would you like to kick it off and, and let us know what's the first zombie film that you would like to discuss today? Well, let's get it out of the way. And there's actually a reason why I am going to do the the shocking reveal of Night of the Living Dead first. Yes. Well, the reason why I wanted to bring this one first is because I feel like this is the granddaddy of them all. This is like the one that brought about this this whole ordeal of zombies, even though it was actually heavily inspired by I Am Legend. Yeah. Romero has said that he was inspired to write this movie um, after reading I Am Legend, which, you know, if you've read the book or if you've even watched the the adaptations, they're very much like they're vampire movies with, with a twist. But so Romero read that and he kind of wanted to do his own take on it. But with with the dead rising and there's just so many tropes about this. I mean, so let me ask you this real quick before I get into it. Do, are you do you prefer fast or slow zombies? Me, personally, I've always preferred the slow zombies. I think there's something so much more uh, realistic about it because if you think about, like, the living dead, like, their nerves would be shut down. Nothing about them would act like normal people, so this whole, like, inflated thing of them being able to move at a thousand miles an hour has always been kind of silly to me. Right, so the reason why I bring that up is because I've always preferred slow zombies as well. Um, also, like, something about slow zombies and something that Romero did so well, and then we will, I'm sure we will probably repeat this motif throughout the entire episode, is how these slow zombies, even though they move slow and they don't really think and they're dumb and all they care about is biting you, they're are no rules to them and they are unstoppable and even though they're slow as the more they grow they become this force to be reckoned with they cannot be stopped even though there's no like leader there's no plan they're just literally walking dead and there is no stopping them and to me there's certain something so frightening that these slow moving creatures it doesn't matter what you do unless you have some fantastic aim you can't stop them and that's something that's always fascinated me about zombies that there's no stopping that horde oh for sure and i think the thing i love the most about 
Night of the Living Dead in general. And I know there's a million different things you can say about why you love that movie. But one of the things I like about it is similarly to like things that have come after it, like even when you look at like earlier seasons of The Walking Dead, one of the things I love the most about the concept of zombies is so much less about the creatures themselves and more about how they impact society and people. And the thing about Night of the Living Dead I love is this film is so much more about the characters trapped in the house than it is the zombies. And the zombies, for a lot of the movie, they're outside. They're there. You always feel their presence because you know that threat is there. But how it's driving those people insane and pitting each other against each other. And then this whole idea of, like, if you get bit, you turn. And, like, is everyone okay when you run into them? Like, are they fine? And I think Romero does an amazing job in this movie of really building that tension to where you are on the edge of your seat from the first frame until the film ends. And, like, obviously the third act, one of the most pinnacle scenes in all of film history it's like you don't even really get to take a breath after that last shot because you're just like you've been on that anxiety high the entire movie and also you know we've talked about all the like social commentaries which i actually wanted to focus more on the horror aspect of it i mean something i love about specifically about the romero movie is that and i know i don't know if this was done on purpose or if it was because of budgetary means. I like to think it was because of budgetary means because it's such a low budget movie. The fact that the zombies aren't like these decayed, like rotten things because a lot of them are fresh corpses. So of course it makes sense that they wouldn't be all decayed, rotten at the core. They're more, they they seem more like fresh kills, which I, I kind of appreciate that. Be- because I feel like that makes it more frightening because it's a lot easier to confuse a fresh kill for a normal human than, you know, I would never approach someone that looks like it's rotten, but I could easily see myself approach someone that looks like a normal person with like maybe bleeding from the head like they just had a just an accident. I One of the things about horror movies for me is I feel like there are a lot of times where directors are really afraid to kind of pull all the punches where, the, where they won't do things because they're afraid of how an audience audience will react or how things will will go and what gets me about night of the living dead every time is the little girl and the fact that Romero was willing to go there and literally involve a child it's done so in such a way that really just kind of like breaks your heart but also horrifies you at the same time and that honestly is truly one of the most terrifying scenes in a movie to me still to this day well i think also the fact that the child attacks its own parents you know that that makes it even more frightening and also like 1968 i mean if you think about it even in 2020 a child dying or being violent on screen i mean it's more normalized but it still makes quite a few people uncomfortable seeing that. So like in 1968, that has gotten to be like one of the most shocking things people saw. Oh, for sure. And one of the things I don't want to skip over in talking about this movie is uh, Dwayne Jones is one of the best leading men in a horror film I've ever watched. 1000%. Honestly, after seeing this movie so many times, I can't believe I've never seen the vampire film he's in, Ganja and Hess. I had no idea he was in that. He's the, he's the lead. So so I need to watch that at some point. It was streaming on Shutter for a really long period of time, and I never got around to watching it. But um, he's just absolutely amazing. I I think that he he didn't do a whole lot in his acting career, but like just the way that he presents himself in that film, he's just so confident in everything that he does. He really just commands the room. And it's like you've said before on the podcast, and we've talked about the fact that this film was released when it was, and the huge commentary on like 
you know, race in our society and just the punch at the end of like, you got all of these white people to watch this movie who seemingly some of them were racists and not good people who George Romero got them to root for the black man. And I think that that is such a cool thing. And I, I wish I could have been a fly on the wall in some of those movie theaters when this film was released and just see people's reactions. That is, if I could go back in time in an era, it would be there i would love to see that firsthand the only thing i'm gonna end on with with this because like you know it's no secret that i am obsessed with with this movie but you know i don't want to make it a night of the living dead podcast i have a tradition every halloween and maybe we can talk about this in a future episode about if we have any traditions but one of my favorite traditions for halloween is on october 31st you know i will do the, the the thing that we all do we hand out candy we decorate we dress up all that good stuff so one of the things that i, I you know i love doing after you know, all the kids are no longer trick-or-treating. I will usually have a screen playing movies in the outside in the yard. I will put that away. And then I will make myself like something to drink. I have a, you know, those tiki mugs. So I have a tiki mug of Leatherface. I will, I will make myself like, you know, something to drink. Maybe I'll have some pizza and some candy. And I don't know if you're familiar. Well, you probably are familiar with the, with the concept of the midnight movie. Historically, Night of the Living Dead blew up through the practice of midnight movies. So for those who aren't aware, the movies that were deemed a little too intense for general public would get actually screened at midnight and or like right before midnight and those became the midnight movie and those were more of the outrageous movies and Night of the Living Dead got a huge push with with audience through midnight movie showings. So now basically once I'm, you know, 11.30 rolls around, I made myself a drink and maybe heated up a pizza or something i will put night of the living dead and that is my like yearly tradition of watch night of the living dead as quote-unquote my midnight showing that's amazing and i actually really love that a lot i think that's a really cool thing but i want to say before we move on from night of the living dead i have one question for you it's more just out of curiosity um have you ever seen the 1990 remake the tom savini one yep yeah I, because I was reading about it, I've never seen it, but I thought that it was so cool that the reason why that film was even made is because originally Tom Savini wanted to work on original Night of the Living Dead with Romero, but he couldn't do it because he was in Vietnam. Oh, yeah. And, and so the reason why he ended up making it was because he wanted to do it. And I didn't realize that, uh, Romero wrote the screenplay. Yeah. Um, a lot of people complain that that movie is a shot-for-shot shot remake, which it kind of is, but it's like one of those, like, it's a shot-for-shot shot remake with, as, it's kind of like if Night of the Living Dead had a good budget. And it's, yeah, and it's frightening. Um, it's a legitimately frightening movie. And he switches the ending, which I thought the ending was really, the switch of the ending was pretty interesting choice. It's a great movie. Yeah, I have seen it. I own it. Um, I don't watch it as often as Night of the Living Dead, but I'll put it on here and there. I actually have both the scores for that one and for the Romero on vinyl. <laughs> oh, that's super cool. Yeah, I just, I love Tom, I love Tom Savini. And so part of me was like, oh, I, that would be, that would be really awesome to see that. And also, I uh, I love Tony Todd and I think that's a great choice as the lead. Yeah, so I, I actually would recommend watching it. It's um it's a really cool movie. Like I said, it's like a it's almost a shot for shot remake of the original one, but if Tom Savini did the the effects, that is really awesome. 
Well, are you ready for my first one? Let's do it. Well, this isn't a full zombie film, but I would be remiss if I didn't bring up something George Romero affiliated. And that is the two segments from the film Creepshow. Oh. And uh, Father's Day and Something to Tide You Over, which are both really fantastic uh, zombie stories that I feel like Romero does a really nice job of incorporating them into his horror anthology film. And I I love Creepshow. It's one of my favorite horror anthologies ever made. But especially that Something to Tide You Over uh, short with um, Ted Danson and Leslie Nielsen. There's something about that that just like absolutely horrified me in the way that they, that Leslie Nielsen kills them. Where he like buries them up to their necks and waits for the tide to come in to drown them it's just like there's something so horrifying about that to where like i love that you get to a point where in this you're rooting for the zombies to to kill leslie nielsen but leslie nielsen it's so funny to me because leslie nielsen is so known for his outrageous comedies like you know like hot shots or airplane you know he has these like outrageous like really silly comedies and then he does this which i mean i know that this is still like a horror comedy so it's kind of on his wheelhouse but his character is just so much darker than what we used to seeing Oh, 100%. And I mean, but if you even think about that, I mean, you think about the earlier segment in the film Father's Day, where obviously he wants his cake, right? The, the dad wants his cake. Uh, you have a very young Ed Harris who shows up in that, who Ed Harris was getting huge at that time in his acting career. And you think about like how how many amazing films he's been in. I don't have a whole lot to say about each one of these because it's not a full length film. But I thought talking about, I wanted to incorporate talking about Creepshow because obviously with Romero's background, he did all of those zombie films throughout his entire career. But I thought it was so cool that in Creepshow, his horror anthology film that he did with Stephen King, that he's like, I'm going to put two zombie segments in there. And I really love the Father's Day segment. I feel like it really builds up that suspense. And that last shot with the, I finally got my cake with the head on the platter is just, it's its one of those horror shots that's forever cemented into my brain. I know what's one of my favorite moments of that movie. Yeah, what is it? Thanks for the ride, lady! Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> I love Creepshow so much. It's such a fun movie. It's so entertaining. And, you know, if you haven't seen Creepshow... It's, it's one of the best movies you could ever put on for the Halloween season. Uh, it's not a zombie segment, but I always think of uh, Adrian Barbeau's performance in the crate segment of, like, the crazy drunken housewife. <laughs> She's so awful to her husband, and it's hilarious. Um, but yeah, I love Creepshow. That's all I have to say about Creepshow. I just want to... That's not one of my full-length zombie films I'm going to talk about, but I just wanted to mention it relatively quickly. Well, well, we're still talking about the classic. Let's just talk about the one I watched last night, uh, Lucio Fulci's Zombie. I have never seen it. So, I yesterday was the first time I saw it, so it's fresh in my mind. What did you think about it? It was... it. So, it's almost labeled, like, like a video nasty, if you're familiar with the term. Yes. So it's it's over the top gore. It's gory as all get out. It, it's not as gory as I was thinking it was going to be, but it's pretty bloody, pretty violent. I mean, there's a scene where a shark fights a zombie. That is incredible. I don't know how I've never seen this movie. <laughs> it's on. It's on. It, it's on Shutter. There's this great scene. I won't spoil it too much then, but the the, the basically a. Sh- 
like this yacht kind of floats over to the shores of New York. They go investigate what it is and they basically find a zombie. They don't know it's a zombie, but you know, you as the audience, you know, it's a zombie and attacks one of the cops and the cop kills the cop and they take the cop to this, um, to the morgue basically so he get, they can look at the body for an autopsy. And then the the movie kind of cuts there and then you start following these this girl and this guy. One of them, he, he's a reporter and the girl is like the daughter of the owner of that yacht that just like floated onto the Manhattan beach and she starts looking for her dad and that search leads them to this like remote island in Italy and they find two other tourists and they go to this island and then this island basically is like there is a like a doctor there that's performing really like like experiments and you know you kind of get introduced to the concept of zombies there um this movie has that iconic eye being gouged out scene that was a brutal scene but yeah there, there's a moment where they're sailing to the island that they fall in the water and then there's this zombie like kind of floating around and there's a shark and the zombie and the shark start fighting that is hysterical that i i know little bits and pieces about this movie because i've watched a couple things about it i know that the original uh title of the film was zombie 2 because he originally wanted it to be a sequel to dawn of the dead which is interesting and i know that they like they switched it it's spelled z-o-m-b-i if you look at the original translation but i know that they've changed it now to where they just call it zombie but i've seen videos or clips from it especially some of the uh, kill sequences and i've always thought that it's really wonderful i don't know why i've never watched this movie but it's definitely one that i need to add into my rotation especially if it's if it's on shutter i'm definitely going to watch it this holiday season well and then so just a little fun fact that might make this even cooler for you when you watch it for the first time that scene with the zombie and the shark that's a that's all practical they got an actual like shark trainer to dress up as a zombie and like do all these stunts with the shark that is hysterical i need to watch this soon yes you do <laughs> i'm i'm glad you enjoyed it so much because that makes me want to jump on it a hundred percent and watch it like maybe tonight my only qualms with it and i think this is because the movie is it's meant not meant to be taken as seriously i mean there's a zombie fighting a shark some of the editing choices felt jarring like like something will happen and it will just cut to the next scene like at moments i was wondering if like my internet had skipped or something that's that low budget feel my man <laughs> yeah no for 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 real it was so that zombie go watch it anyone especially if you're into like gore like practical gore oh this one has has plenty of it. Oh, that sounds like something that I am going to absolutely love. Are you ready for my next one? I'm just, I can't, I can't barely hold my breath. So this one actually brought up into my attention by Jess. She was like, hey, you want to watch a movie today? And I was like, yeah. She's like, I found this movie. I read a little bit about it. I don't know anything about it at all, but let's just watch it. And that is the 2019 Korean zombie film Zombie for Sale which is now I would argue one of my favorite zombie movies I have ever watched what is that so it's on Amazon Prime I will recommend that you watch it immediately but in short this family owns a gas station in Korea and they're like super charismatic there's like a grandfather a mother and father this young girl and they're all super personable and interesting and one day they're out just doing their jobs and a zombie crawls out of a crate and starts coming towards their their gas station well they end up catching him and trapping him into their 
garage after he bites the grandfather. Well, when he bites the grandfather, the grandfather starts to realize that he is becoming young. He's getting color back in his hair. He's starting to like be able to move more quickly. He's like changing into a younger person. And so the family decides to make money so their gas station doesn't go under. They round up all of the elderly people in the community and have the zombie bite all of all of them so that they'll become young. What? And it starts off as a really wholesome comedy that like the zombie doesn't even want to eat flesh. He wants to eat like sriracha covered cabbage. And the girl takes a romantic interest in the zombie, which is like amazing. The way they write it in is great. And then the third act takes a twist that I never would have expected just how wild it gets, but it is truly one of the most wholehearted, hilarious, brutal. There are some brutal kills in this movie. And it's, I actually just bought the Arrow Video Blu-ray when they did their sale, uh, cause they put out a really great, uh, Blu-ray version of this movie, but it is a gem. Uh, I feel like not enough people have even heard of it. And I was lucky enough to stumble on it on prime video and watch it, but I have my Blu-ray copy now and it's going to be one that is going to consistently be in my rotation because it is a perfect horror comedy. <laughs> I, I need to watch that. Um, that sounds incredible but ray with your love of zombie films i feel like you'll love how much in this movie that they like pull from other zombie films but at the same time make it its own unique thing and what i really love about the movie too is it has this like really great character building and you care about each one of these people and they're all fleshed out perfectly and it's just amazing i i could rant about this movie for an entire episode but I wanted to talk about something that's a little lesser known. So if you haven't seen it, watch Zombie for Sale. It is brilliant. So while we're talking about horror comedies, I, you know, something I love about the zombie genre is that you can have movies like Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead. I'm sure we'll talk about 28 Days Later here in a moment. But you can have these very serious, like, dark, gritty zombie movies. Or you can have movies like, like this one, like Zombie for Sale. And I feel like the zombie genre has really embraced the ridiculousness of what they are they've really embraced the silliness of it all um which is why i really wanted to just briefly touch base on the return of the living dead i love return of the living dead and it was on my list so i'm very glad that you brought it up <laughs> i <laughs> well, i think I love, so i love that said more paramedics so my favorite thing about return of the living dead is return of the living dead is directed by uh schlock auteur uh D dan o'bannon who famously let me stop you right there let me stop you right there schlock auteur those are the two greatest that's the greatest like combination of words i've heard in a long time <laughs> Well, you have to you have to shout out and respect the guy who wrote Life Force. I mean, <laughs> like, but one of the things I wanted to say about Dan O'Bannon, which some of you out there might not know, I think Ray already knows this, but Dan O'Bannon actually came up with the original script for Ridley Scott's Alien. And he wrote the script and he took it to the studio and he was like, hey guys, I want to make this movie. And the studio was like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever read in my entire life. The only thing salvageable is the chestburster scene. We'll buy it from you for like, I don't know, they paid him like five grand and then they gave it to Ridley Scott and company and said, do something good with this. <laughs> 
And so because of Dan O'Bannon, the writer, writer, director of Return of the Living Dead, we have one of the greatest horror films ever made, Alien. So I just wanted to bring that up. But what I love about Return of the Dead is this is a movie that does not take itself seriously whatsoever. Uh, The zombies look amazing. And I love the callbacks to like, you know, when they're trying to figure out how to take care of the zombies and how to kill them. They're like, well, what did they do in the movies? I love that part where, where, where he's like, you ever see that movie Night of the Living Dead? Wait, was a real story? <laughs> oh no, trash is getting naked again. <laughs> I this movie is so entertaining. It has an amazing soundtrack too. Uh, oh, it, one, yeah, I love it. It also stars the 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 great uh, Clue Gallagher, uh, who I really enjoy a lot, and it also has Miguel Nunez, who is also in Friday the Thirteenth Part Five. Uh, probably one of my favorite characters in this. But what I do love is. This movie is a horror comedy, but it's also incredibly bleak. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Probably ends darker than most zombie movies that you watch. And I I feel like what I love the most about this movie, too, is that the gore is relentless. Uh, It's disgusting. This movie... And I love how the zombies are, like, somewhat intelligent to where, like, they're calling for more paramedics over the (laughs) walkie-talkie. Like, shit like that that you would never even assume that would would happen uh but i love return of the living dead it's so goofy and fun and it's one of those movies that if you've never seen it you just need to watch uh it's it's really just unique it cracks me up when the half dogs come back to life oh god yeah there's also there's some really horrific imagery like the uh the one zombie when they're they're up in the morgue that's like on the table that's like half like cut in half Oh yeah, too, and she's like, oh, like it's it's truly horrific, and I think you know we talk about it all the time. Is that that balance between horror and comedy is a very delicate one. You have to know how to go about it, and I think that everyone involved in this film knew exactly the way to go about it. And I love Return of the Living Dead. I'm glad that was on your list. It's so much fun. So what what's what's next for you then? So I really want to quickly bring up. Uh, This is a movie that everyone talks about, but it's one of my favorite zombie films ever made. I think it is one of the most brilliant films ever made, and that is the 2016 uh, zombie film Train to Busan, which I feel like everyone talks about, but it is worth talking about because it is just incredible in every way. Rightfully so, yeah. I, I don't know about you, Ray, but I would say, you know, I didn't bring it up on my list. Night of the Living Dead is obviously like the greatest zombie film ever made. This is really close. Oh, I said, no, it totally reinvents the zombie genre. I feel like for a long time we had zombie movies were so iconic, like, you know, Night, Dawn, Day of the Dead. Um, you know, you start getting a little sillier. And then zombie movies, I feel like zombie movies kind of started doing this thing where it was no longer walking dead. It was like a virus, you know, it was, it was a a virus. And then it started becoming more sci-fi-ish. And I feel like Train to Busan brought it back to, while using like modern things like zombies are fast, but it kind of brought that chaotic nature of a zombie movie back back to the screen like it kind of because before it was like oh they're in a lab and they need to figure out in the lab how to find the cure and they have to find some crazy mutation and train to busan almost felt like a callback to like just 
what happens to society when chaos like that ensues. Yes, 100%. And obviously the zombies in the film are horrifying. Uh, they don't ever take away from the fact that they are scary. But what I love the most about Train to Busan is it's probably some of the best character writing I've ever seen. Uh, the dynamic between all of these characters, each character is completely fleshed out to where I feel like you get closure in one way or another for each person's story. And it really just, like, it's heartbreaking. Uh, it really is. Like, aside from just being a terrifying zombie movie, it is really heartbreaking when you watch it. And it, I, I have the utmost respect for filmmakers that can take a premise like that and, you know, kind of make it so ridiculous and inflated with the concept of these fast-moving zombies while also not getting rid of the fact that, like, the core of this story is a dad and his daughter. I mean, like, and, and it's really just beautiful. Like, all of these character dynamics are just so amazing. And this is a film that the third act, like, th this movie destroyed me. And also, the pregnant lady's husband is my favorite character in the entire film. Oh, uh, well, for sure. Also, like, if you're not, like, with a, at the very least, with a knot on your throat by that final scene you are a monster well and that's like um i remember the first time i watched it jess and i were watching it together and she, i just looked over at her we were both just like bawling at the end of this movie and she's like this is so good <laughs> and i was like yes it is it's just that good and and it's i'm telling you man i i mentioned it before and Z zombie for sale it's something about korean films man i don't i don't know what it is about korean storytelling but it is just unbelievable they know their horror those they know their horror for for sure and i really quickly before we stop talking about train to busan want to say one of my favorite designs for zombies in all of film i love oh the way the zombies God. look in that movie they do such a good job and it's my exception to the rule on fast-moving zombies. I think they look cool. No, there's some cool fast moving I still like fast-moving zombies. I just prefer slow-moving zombies. Well, we're talking about the journey of a father and a daughter and kind of pulling at your heartstrings. The next one I wanted to bring up, it's a movie that not a lot of people talk about. And it makes me sad because it's so incredible. Um, I think the movie's Australian. Yeah, it has to be Australian or, or British. All right, it doesn't matter. The movie, it's a Netflix movie called Cargo. I have never seen it, but I've had it recommended to me a few times. Cargo is, it starts um, Martin Freeman. Yeah, that's, I, I knew that that's who that was that was in it. I just, I because I, I've had a couple people tell me to watch it. And they were like, wow, it's so good. And I as soon as they said Martin Freeman, I'm like, damn, that's got to be great because he is fantastic. Oh, yeah. No, I was in tears by the end. Um, the premise of the movie is this. I'll just give you the premise. And I'm not going to say much about it because I want you to 100% watch it. So Martin Freeman and his wife are, you know, there's already a pandemic. Like the, the outbreak already happened and Martin Freeman and his wife, they have a baby. And they have a baby together and they have already kind of taken a, a boat and they're just sailing around. So like, you know, that's kind of the safest route to sail around. But they still scavenge for food. And on one of those situations, this is all like at the beginning of the movie, his wife gets bitten and she starts turning and Martin Freeman, they have figured out that um, how long, they already figure out how long it takes for you to turn. And I think it's like 48 hours for you to turn. So when she gets bitten, he he's like, okay, I have 48 hours. So he kind of goes to shore and they find a car and then he's trying to take her to the hospital where, you know, maybe they can amputate her arm or something so it doesn't spread. But as he's riding so fast, they get in a car accident and he passes out. And when he wakes up, the time has already expired and he wakes up to his wife attacking him. So 
he gets attacked. So now he has a six-month-old baby that he has to find a safe haven for her in 48 hours before he turns. That sounds incredible. I need to watch this movie. So, like, the, the it's kind of a sad story because... Again, he gets bitten at the beginning. It's no spoiler he's going to turn. It's just the anxiety that he has 48 hours to find somewhere safe for his daughter before he turns. Otherwise, he's going to eat his six-month-old baby. That is... That sounds like such a good movie. I'm going to watch that, especially if it's on Netflix. I need to watch that. I was, I, I was in tears. Like, I was in tears. Like, I was just crying. I'm like, this movie kind of like train to busan it just like was just was grabbing a hold of my throat and just pulling at it (laughs) and isn't that the cool part about the zombie genre is that you can have so many different themes and and motifs and and things going on that are related to you know just being surrounding that story you can do a comedy you can do a drama you can do whatever you want and just have that zombie bit being the through line i think that's so cool that you can get all kinds of stories from that yeah no i love it i i i love it so much and i'm so excited to um for you to watch it because i'd like to hear what your thoughts are on it absolutely i can't wait to tell you about it i have another uh little known zombie movie that you may or may not have seen but i would be remiss if i did not talk about this movie uh, and it is streaming on Shutter, and it is called One Cut of the Dead. Okay, so fun, fun story. I actually started watching this movie last night, and um, I've been kind of sick lately, so I haven't been feeling the best, and I fell asleep like like 10 minutes into it. Not because it was a bad movie, I was just not feeling well. No, it is, uh, it's... I don't want to give too much away. So you started at the beginning. You know it's about a film crew shooting a, a low-budget zombie, zombie movie, movie that actually get attacked by zombies. Yeah, in fact, last last shot I remember is, and again, it's the very beginning. Like the director has just kind of drilled into the into the girl, and they're trying to come for her as you know as she just got eaten, like just destroyed by this director. And that's kind of when I passed out. Also, I don't know if you noticed because you only made it 10 minutes into the film. The first 40 minutes is one take. Seriously? Yes, they never cut. It's an entirely one take sequence. Um, But what I will tell you is there is a twist in the movie that you will never see coming. Uh, I could like, honestly, it shook me when I, when I found out what was going on and this movie not only is an incredible zombie film, but it's a love letter to filmmaking. And it honestly was just one of the most fun and entertaining experiences I've had. I watched this the year it came out. So 20, 2017 or 2018, it's been a while since I've seen it. Uh, but I absolutely love this movie. And I think what is so great about it is it takes all the zombie elements seriously while also being its own unique thing. And Ray, I'll be really excited when you finish this one up because it is so much fun. And it's definitely one like there's comedy in it, there's drama in it, there's brutality in it. But when that twist happens, your jaw will just drop. You'll be like, I cannot believe that this actually happened. Like it, it is so, it's, it's everything you could want in a movie just kind of packaged up into this one small thing. And especially with someone like you, you know, we talked about um, a long time ago on the podcast, we talked about a film starring the great Nicolas Cage uh, that came out this year, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. And that is a movie about a love letter to filmmaking. And this is very similar. This movie ends up being very much a film talking about 
you know, the importance of filmmaking, the importance of horror and culture, like all of these, all of these elements come into play. And Ray, I cannot wait to hear what your, uh, what your takeaway is from this movie. It is wonderful. Oh, I'm excited to finish it. Yeah, I was, like I said, I just wasn't feeling great. So I just put it on thinking, oh, maybe if I'm like reading subtitles, I'll be able to keep awake. But no, I was, I was out. Yeah. And that is all I'm going to say about one cut of the dead, because I do not want to ruin the film. It is so good. And it has, like I said, that plot twist, chef's kiss. Hit me with another one, Ray, because I know you got an extensive list like me. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I keep picking which ones to go. Um, the next one, I, I, I try to match the vibe of what you're talking about to kind of keep those transitions going. Um, so with one cut of the dead, you know, it kind of was reminiscent. When I started watching it, it feels like a found footage movie in a way. Um, so it reminded me of the, the Spanish movie, Wreck. Yes, I... I I honestly, so funny story, I started watching that. I made it about a ha half hour into the movie and I turned it off. It's been a while. Uh, I really liked it though. And I just never got back around to finishing it. I don't know why, but I have seen the English language remake Quarantine, which is not a very good movie. You mean the one that shows you the ending on the poster? <laughs> Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, they actually, fun, funny story, I worked at the movie theater when that came out, and there was this, like, uh, little standee that we had built of it that was actually the woman getting dragged away, and I'm like, why would you show the last shot of the film uh, on your promotional material? Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I actually haven't seen the English version one because I love the, the Spanish one, so I don't need to watch the English one. Yes, and what I will say is every bit that I watched of Wreck, I loved. So I just need to get back around and finish watching it. I know that the... The, the premise is essentially these people in an apartment complex that it ends up getting shut down. They tell them that it's like being quarantined and crazy things start to ensue inside of the apartment complex. Yeah, and you know, you might argue that it's not zombies. You might argue that it is zombies, especially with the end when you kind of get a reveal at the end of like a bigger threat. But just that paranoia that of everyone being quarantined, this whole like, I don't know, this whole like anxiety claustrophobia of it i don't i haven't seen the english version so i don't know what what happens exactly in the english version but in the spanish version you get to see some like some commentary on racism too because um some of the tenants in this apartment building are asian immigrants that came over to spain and much and much like there is prejudice against immigrants here in the u.s there's prejudice against immigrants i feel like pretty much everywhere so in spain there's plenty of prejudice against immigrants as well there's this commentary on them trying to blame these immigrants you know for starting this problem because oh they're the dirty immigrants that are kind of hiding out in in their room so like there's a commentary of that going on too but but wreck is great like and because it's it's a found footage movie like the lighting all of like the gross gore looks very disgusting and it's it's great i love it, it it's a great movie like i said i'm pretty sure it's like a very similar premise to the english one i heard it's almost like a shot by shot remake except not good <laughs> yeah it, it, it's not very good it's very hokey so that i so I recommend I recommend finishing Wreck. I mean, the Wreck itself is I haven't seen the rest of the Wreck movies, but I really really enjoy that that first one. I will push it up to the top of my list of this season to watch. Spoilers, you've seen the ending. 
Yeah, I've, I, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Well, Ray, you mentioned it a little bit ago. We might as well make it a continuation of the podcast to talk about uh, to talk about Danny Boyle and Alex Garland. Let's just talk about Twenty Eight Days Later <laughs> since you mentioned it. Uh, this is one of my favorite modern. Uh, well, came out in two thousand two, so I guess not as modern now, but one of my favorite zombie movies. Even though I know there is a uh, a sort of a back and forth in the horror community of whether or not you'd consider these zombies. I do. Uh, I, I don't know. I know it's like a virus that, you know, makes people literally uh, homicidal, but I, I think it's zombies, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. No, I agree, too. In fact, are you familiar where the term zombie came from? Uh, no, I am not. So, zombies, zombies are real. There is... Um, in Haiti, people that practice voodoo magic. Here, I'll just read this. Like in Haitian folklore, a zombie is an animated corpse raised by magical means such as witchcraft. The concept has been popularly associated with the religion of voodoo, but it plays no part in that faith's formal practice. But what um, the zombification process is that like in Haiti, um, it's a severe punishment because they do the spell and again i don't know how true this is so if anybody listening i'm saying something out of that isn't true please by all means correct me basically they when they zombify someone they cast like a spell i don't know if it's a spell or like some procedure that zombifies a person literally so they're like they're alive that's the difference is they're, they're alive but it deprives them from that cognitive the cognitive thinking and they're just kind of walking around like like zombies because they can't think for themselves they've been deprived of that of that cognitive thinking and they're often used for like labor like slave labor and a lot of this happens in like in, in haiti um i have a work co-worker from haiti that says that those those things are real that is wild i did not actually know that but that's really fascinating so the concept it spells zombie with an i instead of so it's like z-o-m-b-i and yeah in fact romero took also inspiration from that concept but yeah like so like i feel like if it's a creature that has been deprived of all cognitive thinking and they're just crazy yeah it's a zombie (laughs) yes and i i will say my favorite thing about 28 days later is the way that the virus is transmitted uh like the fact that it can just be transmitted through a drop of blood is so horrifying to me and and the the film i feel like danny boyle does a really good job in this movie in particular just kind of building up suspense and anxiety and i love that opening shot with killian murphy where he wakes up in the hospital and he's just like roaming around the empty streets of london it's it's really horrifying the atmosphere of the film is great just uh, everything about it is really fantastic, and it's one that, like, typically when people ask me to make a co- uh, like a collective list of favorite zombie movies, it's one that I always put on there. And I think that it's also a film that really shows how this type of a scenario would bring out the worst in people. Yeah, no, I I love that that whole aspect of it, and what, something I really loved about about Andy Boyle's. 20 Days Later, though, is that that one still like shines a light on like that whole chaos that happens to society and i mean some of those zombies are legitimately creepy like i feel like this one's the first one that kind of started adding on to the whole like it's a virus spread by like an animal and it's interesting that and i thought it was kind of cool that they added that it's like they behave very monkey like and they're strong and this is more of like a they are strong they are dangerous and it's a bloodborne pathogen so it you know just a drop of blood can can do you in i mean that scene when 
um, what's his name? Gleason. I forget his first name. He gets the blood dropped in his Mad Eye Moody. Um, when he gets the blood dropped on his on his eye, which probably is what made him Mad Eye Moody. That scene is so crushing because the moment the blood drops on his eyes, he knows I'm done for, and he just looks at his daughter and he's like, you know, I'm sorry I lost my temper. I love you so much, and that just kills you because you know that's his way of saying goodbye. Yes, exactly, and and it's just. They, they do such a great job, like we talked about in Train to Busan, of just building up these characters and, and making characters that you really like while also bringing in characters that you really hate. And I think that that's really, really uh, impressive on uh, on how to do, or on screenwriting. And honestly, like, you know, uh, we talked about Sunshine and Danny Boyle and uh, Alex Garland clearly have this, like, rapport together where they really like to work together. And I think the two of them really pull off something really special in this movie. Yeah, oh, for sure. And yeah, it, it's a great movie. I couldn't agree more. It totally hit, redefined the genre and what it what it could do and where it could go. So yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. Well, what do you got for me, Ray? Hit me. I'm looking at my list and I'm trying... You know, I'm, I'll, I'll bring this one because I feel like this movie is... I would argue it's a zombie movie because it's literally reanimating corpses um it's not as chaotic as your standard zombie movie but i do feel like it has a lot to be added and again you can argue that this is a zombie movie or not i personally think it's a zombie movie and i'm talking about um hp lovecraft's the reanimator wow reanimator was also on my list (laughs) (laughs) yes it's a zombie movie i don't care what people say it's a zombie movie uh it's also hilarious Oh yeah, who's gonna believe a talking head get a gig in the si- get a job in the side gig? My uh, my favorite line in that in that entire movie is when he's like, "What did you want me to do? Leave a note? Cat dead? Details later." <laughs> <laughs> that's still that's still like one of my favorite moments. Also, poor Barbara Crampton in that film. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> she she really just she just really gets the brunt of it during that movie. Uh, no, I love this movie. Uh, I think it's absolutely brilliant. I I was. Lucky enough, uh, not too long ago, they showed uh, a screening of it near where I live, and I got a chance to go see it in the theater, which was awesome. And R.I.P. Stuart Gordon uh, just passed away like uh, a couple years ago. Um, this movie is brilliant. I think the performances are incredible. I uh, honestly like Jeffrey Combs. is one of the most iconic performances in all of horror history, if uh, if you want to get down to it. And I just love the in, like the atmosphere of this movie. I feel like it's obviously it's not a standard, like it's an epidemic of a zombie outbreak. This is a guy who literally wants, is like so, such an egomaniac that he wants to bring all these people back to life and doesn't realize that while he's doing it, he's literally turning people into like lunatic zombies and i i love it it's just so much fun in every single way and i kind of (laughs) just i love that um jeffrey uh, was it jeffrey combs yeah jeffrey combs he just leans into it he leans into the zaniness of it and then you he took that through his career from the frighteners to from beyond like he just took that zaniness throughout his career yes he a hundred he a hundred percent did do that and i i just think it's such a fun movie it's one of those like this is an easy movie to recommend to people other than the scene with barbara crampton i talked about in particular Um, oh my gosh but but it's typically an easy movie to recommend to people because it's just a lot of fun and it will make you laugh and it also has some gore that will unsettle you oh yeah now there's there's definitely this one i feel like it walks a pretty decent balance of like hilarity but also like 
it can get really brutal and really like it can really bring on that zombie dread for sure and i love it and you know I'd be remiss if we didn't bring this one up. With my love for zombies and my love for, you know, Lovecraftian horror, it just made sense. Absolutely. I completely agree. Um, this is a movie I'm glad you brought up because it was on it was on mine as well. And I was like, oh, I hope Ray or I either one brings this up because it is just truly one of my favorites. I do love it. I do love it. Well, the next one I'm going to bring up, um, and I don't have many more left, So, but I want to bring this up. And I don't care what people say, try to tell me that these aren't zombies, whatever. But uh, if I didn't bring up Evil Dead 2, I probably would get in a little bit of trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Evil Dead 2 is my favorite horror movie. Uh, Whether you want to call whatever these creatures are uh, the deadites, whether you want to call them zombies, they are literally people brought back to life murdering each other. They don't eat brains uh they just kill each other but i think there's something far more horrifying about that and evil dead 2 does that thing where i've talked about it a million times it's uh, putting bruce campbell in this situation that for 75 percent of the movie he's by himself he's already experienced this situation once and he's going through it all alone and that idea of dealing with this creature all by yourself is absolutely horrifying. And then obviously you have that giant uh, large woman uh, played by Ted Raimi at the end of the film (laughs) that is still, in my opinion, one of the most horrifying creatures I've ever seen in a movie. Henrietta, how how we love you. I I just honestly love everything about Evil Dead too. I think it had the Joseph DeLuca score is incredible. Uh, the honestly, just like the the entire setting of the film is scary. When his girlfriend first gets changed and starts coming after him, it's horrifying. The zombie hand, his own hand that's chasing him around the house. There's just a million things I could say about this movie, but you guys have heard me talk about it a million times. But whether you want to call the Deadites zombies or not, Evil Dead Two. It's a go-to. You have to watch it every single year. Evil Dead is amazing. And like I said, I I don't know. For me, Evil Dead is like kind of flirts with zombies and demonic possessions. So it's kind of like they're possessed zombies, I guess I would call them. Um, because they do reanimate corpses. It's just the behavior is not your standard classic zombie. But that's like, to me, saying those aren't zombies, um, it's like saying that, um, I don't know, the, the vampires of 30 Days of Night aren't vampires just because they're not these like classy, sexy vampires. You know what I mean? Yes, exactly. I completely agree. It's like, it's much grittier. Yeah, it's definitely grittier, but I do, I do love, um, I do love Evil Dead and I agree with you. I think I had to put it on, I had to put it on the list. <sighs> yeah. Well, something so this for me, Ray? since we're on the topic of is it or is it not a zombie movie? I went with this one. I wasn't sure, but since we're since we're getting a little edgy and pulling out movies that may or may not be zombie movies, the next one that I wanted to bring up, and I haven't seen the the new one. I've only seen the original one, and that's the 1973. You guessed it, George Romero's um, The Crazies. Yes, uh, the crazies is wild, and I would I would argue that the crazies are zombies, a hundred percent. And for those who aren't familiar, the crazies are basically like the water supply of the small town gets um, basically poisoned, and it leaks a virus into the water supply that causes people to go insane. Yes, it's 
I have actually seen both the original and the remake. Um, How's the remake? I've never both, seen the remake. The remake is entertaining. I don't think it's a perfect movie, but I think that they do a pretty good job building tension, and it it is it's scary. I mean, they do a really good job with that. Well, and then and well, and then the crazies like the the original one. It's no night or dawn of the dead, but I mean, it has a lot of tension and a lot of. I don't know, anxiety that I I think it's a very competent made movie. I don't think from, I haven't seen all of Romero's catalog, but from what I've seen, I've yet to see a movie of his that I just didn't like. Yeah, you still need to watch Martin. <laughs> I do, I do once it's available somewhere. It's, off, it's available on YouTube. You can watch it for free and it's original aspect ratio. <laughs> all right, fine. You need to watch it, Mr. Romero head. But yes, I, I agree. I think The Crazies does a really good job of building atmosphere. I think it's a, a you know, Romero kind of stuck to his guns when it came to zombies throughout most of his career. It's very different tonally than the the Dead series. I feel like it's its own unique movie. No, I mean, he had to make stuff that, you know, something different, you know. But like The Amusement Park? That movie is brutal. so brutal. The Amusement Park, like... I felt like I was getting beaten with a freaking baseball bat the whole time. Fifty-two minutes of anxiety. Yeah, that's, that's literally what it is. But no, the crazies is great. That's a great, uh, um, a great recommendation. I have one more on my list that is not a zombie movie, but it's a little thing I wanted to bring up with zombies, and it's. I'm probably only going to take about two minutes to talk about it, but that is uh, the zombie segment from VHS 2. I have never seen any other VHS movies, no. So, okay. So, Ray, you would absolutely love this. So, obviously, VHS, it's a anthology horror series. VHS 2 is actually one of my favorite anthology horror films. Much better than the first one, and then the ones that follow are not very good. Um, but the segment I'm talking about, there's a guy who is out with his wife and they're biking together in the middle of the woods and he has a GoPro on and they both get bit by zombies. And so it's essentially a zombie going around with a GoPro on his head killing people. That sounds incredible. And it's the, it, it is, it's hilarious. And it's, it's also like it, for being such a short little vignette, it's only about like a 12 or 13 minute segment in this movie. And it does such a great job of putting you in this character situation while also making you feel like a zombie because you're doing everything through the zombies perspective. And it's not obviously not a full length feature or anything, but I just, I, I would have been remiss to not bring that up because it's just so much fun. It's really entertaining and it's probably my favorite segment in VHS too. That sounds amazing. I do want to watch that. That sounds really cool. It was streaming on Shutter for a really long time. I don't know if it still is. Uh, it's also on Netflix like consistently. So you'll be able to find it. I'm sure you could probably even find it on Tubi or something. So if you watch VHS 2, that segment with the zombie, it's great. So what else you got for me? That is the end of my list. So I can go for days and days and days with zombie movies. So I want to do something a little different. I want to just briefly mention some honorable mentions and then close out with one. So honorable mentions that I wish I could have had more time to talk about it, but I don't want to make you sit down for 10 hours listening to Ray ramble about zombies are um, Cooties starring Elijah Wood about a bunch of children zombies. You know, great stuff. Horror comedy. That sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, basically, basic premise is any child that hasn't hit puberty turns into a zombie through eating these chicken nuggets that are infected. Obviously, Day and Dawn of the Dead, we can have episodes just in those two movies alone, but they're classic. 
go check them out. Um, then you have some of the funner ones like Army of the Dead and Overlord, which has, are a little bit more outrageous. But the one that I wanted to finish on is a little movie that um, you may have heard of it. It's it's small. It's you know insignificant. It's an it was one of those indie things you have to just have been there to see it. And I'm talking about Scooby Doo and Zombie Island. <laughs> I love this movie, so it's totally fine that you brought that up. Yeah, it's super entertaining. <laughs> I love Scooby-Doo. I grew up watching Scooby-Doo. I have always been a fan of, of Scooby. Spoiler alert, I'm dressing up as Scooby for Halloween this year. That's amazing. Um, I, I actually own the first few seasons of Scooby-Doo on uh, DVD. I watch them regularly. I've been watching Scooby-Doo a ton, and... I finally found the Zombie Island movie again because it's so hard to find for some reason. Um, and I rewatched it recently just for nostalgia. And first of all, it's like a really fun story, but also like the fact that they took this like beloved property and they put him in like they finally found real monsters. I think this is the only one. Zombies are horrifying too. Yeah, they are. Like there's actually something scary about this movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. I, I honestly like I I think of, about them like coming after them and just like their gross faces and their eyes are disgusting and uh and don't forget about the werecats. <laughs> <laughs> no, and honestly I I do I do love that they actually took Scooby Doo and put it in a situation where it's like these are real. Like the, it's it's like they're always dealing with it's you know the janitor or whoever it is, but it's like uh it really is um, a real threat, and it is so much fun to watch. Like, I remember the very first time I ever saw this movie, and I just thought that it was the most entertaining thing in the entire world. It's it's just... Oh, I could talk about Scooby-Doo and Zombie Island for an entire episode. I'm so glad that this ended up on your list. Well, I wanted to end on a high note. Well, hey, you know what? That is a high the the highest note to end on. Um, I honestly like that. There's something about Scooby Doo. It's such a comfort show, but it's it's just so much fun to watch a, watch these kids that are like trying to solve these mysteries. And I feel like Scooby Doo is probably my gateway into horror. I would imagine. Yeah. I, I feel one of my I feel like it is the horror. gateway for a lot of people um I, I I yeah I love Scooby-Doo I still and the thing is Scooby-Doo hasn't like it hasn't aged poorly like I feel like I've gone back to other stuff that I watched as a kid I'm like wow this is bad but Scooby-Doo I'm like no this is still legitimately great and when I watched Zombie Island recently I was like this movie is still like I can see this be legitimately frightening to a seven-year-old yeah a hundred percent and I will say uh the only the only one that comes uh even close to that for me is the one that has the hex girls in it i just watched that episode <laughs> yeah yeah that's uh that honestly like is uh that's that's one of my favorites that uh, on th there's just so much great scooby-doo i even like a lot of the newer renditions i thought what's new scooby-doo was really great um pretty much most scooby-doo material i've watched over the years it's like whoever the creative minds behind it are they just want to keep the integrity of the original show and it just continues to be amazing and also with what's new scooby-doo and um mystery incorporated whoever's writing those shows they know their horror stuff i there's easter eggs there's easter eggs like there's an episode with the twin peaks like room that's like the red room yeah like there's so many like horror um easter eggs throughout it that you know 
I'm I'm impressed with like all the Easter eggs you find in Scooby Doo. But yeah, I wanted to end on on Scooby Doo and Zombie Island just because I mean zombies can be funny they can be terrifying they could be bleak um or they can be with scooby-doo which you know who doesn't love scooby-doo you know I've, if you meet someone that tells you i don't like scooby-doo you walk away you don't need that toxicity in your life exactly i completely agree i do want to say really quick before we end our zombie discussion ray and i are both going to punch ourselves our for this one neither one of us even honorable mention Shaun of the dead <laughs> We're horrible people. You know, I left Shaun of the Dead out because I could have sworn you were going to bring it in. <laughs> yeah, we we talked about it in the Edgar Wright episode, which is why I didn't bring it up. But I think Ray and I can safely say that Shaun of the Dead is one of our favorite zombie movies. 100%. Yeah, 1000% for sure. So that's our discussion of zombies. Uh, I think there we had some really interesting lists. Hopefully Ray and I gave you not only some classics to look at, but also some... Uh, newer films that you might not have heard of that you can go enjoy and uh, enjoy some zombie content for this spooky season. That's right. Go get your zombie on. So, Ray, before uh, before we get into discussing what we watched this week, I just want to say that the 31 Wax Hauntings Challenge is going on currently. And we've been posting. I love seeing the interactions from all the different people. We've had a lot of people participate, and I've loved reading the captions and like hearing people's stories surrounding the different posts. And I'm sure that it's bringing you the same amount of joy that it's bringing to me. Yeah, I've been trying to stay on top of it and share as many as humanly possible because... Um, you know, I feel like a lot of the people that are sharing are people that I wouldn't have otherwise interacted with. I love that people are sharing. And this is the reason why I wanted to make it a multimedia challenge rather than just a vinyl challenge, because I'm seeing people share. You know, I saw I saw somebody share recently um, artwork that they had done themselves, which was really cool to look at. I saw somebody share like, you know, comic books and action figures. You know, I've seen some really cool stuff, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I, to, you know, when this episode airs, it will be a different prompt but as of the recording of this episode which is october 7th um it was for a drink of choice and i i threw up my my nitro pepsi because you know i love nitro pepsi <laughs> hey we all have our we all have our guilty pleasures nitro pepsi i get it <laughs> but i'm so happy people are participating you know it's 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 a it's not the biggest turnout but it's big enough for me to be excited that people are paying attention for sure the fact that even one person wanted to participate makes Ray and I both very happy. It's cool to just see people interested at all. Yeah, so we're excited about that. We are, 100%. So thank you guys for participating. If you haven't jumped on board, it's not too late to jump on board. You can follow us at the Film Monsters Podcast. Check out the contest. And if you want to jump in later on as to when this episode airs, we'll be more than happy to look at the stuff that you post. Uh, it's been fun to read about every single day. So with that, Ray, what have you been watching this week? What do you want to talk about? So, you know, I think people are going to be shocked that I just saw this movie for the first time. Um, and I watched it on on Monday or Tuesday. Um, and that's Netflix Originals, The Babysitter. The Babysitter is dumb fun in the best way possible. Not to mention it. Just, I, if it doesn't cement your love for Samara Weaving, what will? I love that movie. Samara Weaving, Judah Lewis, shout out from Summer of 84. Um, that's the kid from Summer of 84, the one that wears the leather jacket. <laughs> and from Christmas Chronicles. The, from Christmas Chronicles. <laughs> no, I, I thought that movie was a lot of fun. I don't think it's perfect by any means, but it's definitely like over the top stupid in a way that I can really appreciate. 
you know, it's a it's a good time. That's kind of was the point of that movie. It was just a good time. Um, I was laughing a lot. Like I found myself laughing so much throughout that movie that you know it made it it made it super fun. And um, the other movie I checked out, we don't have to spend any time on that because I literally just talked about it was um, Lucio Fulci's Zombie, which is in Shutter. It's great. I say what I had to say earlier in this episode. But those are the two movies that um, I checked out this week that were. Different. I am going to the movies to watch a movie that I'm really excited to see here later on, though. Oh, sweet. I can't wait to hear about it. So I watched a bunch of stuff this week, but what I'll bring up quickly. uh, Last night, I watched the new Shudder original film, Deadstream, which was super entertaining. Uh, It was about a live stream YouTuber that goes to stay in a haunted house. And similar to Evil Dead 2, it had a really great comedic tone that I think uh, that I think everyone can appreciate and Ray I talked to you about it before the episode but I need you to watch it so we can talk about it <laughs> and then uh, I really quickly just want to bring up because I know we mentioned it in the last episode I've already I've already dropped a review about it but I went to the theater and saw Smile and it was one of my favorite movies of the year um, and I'm very happy that I liked it as much as I did. I think that it's truly genuinely horrifying while at the same time being an incredibly poignant and realistic commentary on mental health and depression. And it's a film that has a incredible score, probably my favorite score released this year. Uh, it's truly horrifying and it's a film I have not stopped thinking about since I left the theater. So if you haven't seen Smile, go watch it. It's like what Ray said recently, like when we talked about it last week about the marketing and everything, go support these horror movies that are like trying to do something different. And I've seen some cynical horror reviewers that are like, oh, it's just copying from X, Y, and Z, whatever. But every movie sort of pulls from other films. But what I liked about Smile is sure there's elements that you could see that were pulled from other movies but it it spun it and and conveyed it in its own way to make it this unique piece of film that is such an incredible commentary on mental health that it, it just really kind of left me shook at the end so go watch smile listen and to people complaining about its derivative of x y and z I mean, I just mentioned earlier that Night of the Living Dead, arguably one of the most iconic films of all time, was inspired by I Am Legend. So, like, everything is derivative of something. Everything took inspiration out of something. I mean, everyone talks about, like, an iconic movie that a lot of people talk about. Like, for example, like, Get Out, for example. Everyone talks about how incredible get out was like i agree get out is great but i mean have you seen the movie look who's coming for dinner you know it's like everything is going to be in 2022 don't expect to find like the most original idea it's it's been done it's been done i just pulled it up because i think it's really poignant and being a film podcast i thought that this would be cool to bring up but one of my favorite filmmakers is jim jarmusch and jim jarmusch has this quote that i think about all the time and that uh it says nothing is original steal from anywhere that resonates with inspiration or fuels your imagination authenticity is invaluable originality is non-existent and don't bother concealing your thievery celebrate it if you feel like it and i think that that's a really poignant quote from someone who's created so many what feel like original and amazing films that he is still deriving his material from something else because everything exists because you were inspired by something else and i think hiding your inspiration makes things boring so uh celebrate it nate 
Why? I'm mad at myself. You didn't bring up the dead don't die. Yeah, the there's dead a, don't when, die. Listen, we could oh. we could talk about all these movies over and over again. Um, dead don't die is fantastic. People just didn't understand it, but I thought that movie was hilarious. It was great. I love Dead Don't Die. It was hilarious. That's all I'll say about and it. And Adam Driver was brilliant in it. Probably, and you know what? I think, I think it's zombies. Do you know what? I it, I will bite my tongue from this, but Selena Gomez was really good in it. She was great. <laughs> yeah, she was really good. She fit the role perfectly. It's fun. And Iggy Pop, my God. They put that. Jim Jarmusch loves to kind of put Iggy Pop in these crazy situations in his movies. And I thought that that was great. So, yeah, that's our discussion on zombies. That's what we watched this week. So, next week, Ray, would you like to tell everybody what they're in for in next week's episode? Nate and I are always gushing about this little streaming service called Shudder. So, we figured enough is enough. Let's have a Shudder episode where we will discuss mm-hmm. some of our favorite shutter originals for all of you to hear absolutely and i will say i went online um there are like a million promo codes available right now for like getting like discounts on shutter or like getting 30 days for free right now uh i saw a couple people on reddit posting about it you can literally just type in shutter promotional code on google so if you want to give it a try for like a week or something i think ray and i have praised it enough for that uh so if you just want to watch some stuff but you don't want to pay for it go online and do one of their free trials but i will tell you that by the end of it you'll want to pay for it yeah for sure um we're excited to talk about our our shutter originals um i'm excited to hear about psycho gorman for the 11th time Listen, I, I promise you I will not put Psycho Gorman on the list since I talk about it so much. I will make sure that it's all films I have not talked about in the past. <laughs> I promise, okay? Fingers crossed. So that was the episode. Ray and I really appreciate you guys for listening. We're like getting off in the spooky season as of today's recording it's october the 7th my birthday is on monday so that's when i know uh the spooky season will kick off is when monday when my birthday hits that's when i do the double celebration is on my birthday i'm like spooky season and and i get another year older you might say you double tap the jesus christ (laughs) yes (laughs) so uh, yes, we're in the spooky season, so follow us over at the Film Monsters Podcast on Instagram. Check our updates for the con- the 31 Wax Hauntings contest. And you can also follow Ray and I on our personal Instagrams, My Exit Unfair for me, Analog C for Ray. We always have a great time talking to you guys and getting your shout-outs, and uh, we really appreciate you for listening. We will see you next time. And go watch Zombieland, which we also mentioned, forgot to mention. Yes, go watch Zombieland. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>